Episode nine. Give me some time. Is it episode nine? That's what I have written down right now. Okay. There. Well, welcome so, to. Must be true. Must be true. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how many episodes we've done, this is episode nine. You of... have no idea. Staying in with Emily and Kumail. I'm Kumail Nanjiani. Hi, I'm Emily V. Gordon. Um, and this is our uh, se- limited series podcast we're doing. Yeah. But all people who are starting now, we are married. We're doing a limited <laughs> series podcast for these. We, we call them the weirds. We call it's them the these weirds. quarantine times. Yep. And uh, all the money that we make. All the money from the uh, podcast goes to charity where we have chosen three charities uh, to receive this money. Uh, number one, Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. Number two, Feeding America. And number three, uh, Funds for Disaster, a.k.a. the Center for Disaster Philanthropy. Yes. What a fun so word. How are we Can you doing? be a philanthrope? Yes. Like People a- are philanthropes. Bruce Wayne is a... F- oh, <laughs> is he a philanthrope? I don't know. You could be a misanthrope. That's so what I'm saying. I would think you could be a philanthrope. Yes. Well, that's a funny. I'm a philanthrope. Yeah. <laughs> it's my personality. <laughs> um, so, how are we feeling this week? How I, are, I don't actually know. Or do you want to. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> By the way, great response. I feel like this pressure to know how to feel every week. Sometimes uh, you don't. I don't know. Uh, it's fine. You know, I'm fine. Like mm-hmm. I'm fine, and I'm yeah. I'm getting tired of finding the creative ways to say it's weird emotionally. Yeah, there's nothing I know. What's what's left to say? Well, here's what I sort of felt like that, and then something <laughs> happened yesterday that made me crystallize how I was feeling. Please. So it's been. I it's will been, say. I'm sorry. It's been. We started off. I started off in a way selfish yet noble, worrying about you. Worrying about me. Selfish, selfish yet noble. Selfish yet noble. Then, Self-designated. Then the worry. <laughs> yeah, I'm a philanthropist. Also, me, uh, stoic yet uh, uh, um, not actually Freaking stoic. out. Yeah. <laughs> stoic yet spiraling? Is stoic that... yet spiraling and you're... Uh... Stoic yet spiraling is good. Um, and then moved on to last week's worry was the most selfless and noble worry I've had, which is worrying about other people and worrying about the world. Now I have gone to the most selfish and least noble worrying phase, which is I am getting, I, I miss my life the way it used to be. This has been, this has been very, in some ways, um, we've made the most of it. We've been productive. We've been doing this podcast, which has been good. We've been having conversations. I think ultimately for our relationship, this has been good. Not that our relationship was... Yeah, we were in tatters, so thanks, pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, pandemic, for saving our marriage. No, we were not in tatters. We were yeah, like, yeah, just... So, yes, yeah, everything I, I was, was great. <laughs> but I feel like this now has been better for us. However, I miss... I am starting to really miss selfishly the way my life used to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about like, mm-hmm. you know, for you, even though you're giving up a lot of um, obviously personal stuff, but with your work, you're able to do pretty much all the work that you want to yeah, do at home. my work is at home. I am not able to. Yeah, you haven't I, been on a set in a long time. I miss that. Yeah. I miss acting. I was supposed to have like, I was supposed to be working in this time and that's obviviously way more important things in the sure. world, right? It's okay to miss you. But it's okay now to miss things. I am missing it. And it's I not selfish to miss things. It's truly not. Here are two things. One, I am getting a little impatient but I want to be clear, 
I I want everyone to be safe and I will follow the guidelines and I will stay. Even when things open up, I am going to be the last one in the restaurant. Like I am here for the cause. I'm here for you. I'm here for me. I want to keep us safe. I want to keep you safe. I want to keep other people safe. I am fully, fully, fully on board. We all, If anybody's listened to this podcast, they know that. However, however, <laughs> I am getting a little impatient. It's getting a little harder not knowing when this is going to be right. uh, done and and what that's going to look like. And I'm just like, that's the phase I'm in right now. And but, it's the first time I've been in this phase this whole oh, time. that's nice. Uh, by the way, you're a lot like when my girlfriends and I are talking shit about our husbands, which we never do because they're all wonderful, where you do the thing at first where you're like, he's so wonderful. I love him so much. He's a really, really great guy. He's really good at this. However, and then you're like, if he does this one more time, and eventually my girlfriends and I were like, you don't have to do the disclaimer that he's a, like, we all know that you love your husband. You don't have to say that before you like complain. Yeah. It's like, and it's the same thing with you. In, in Silicon Valley, mm. there was a thing where me, my character and Martin Starr's character were uh, complaining about our boss. His mm-hmm. name's Richard. And we kept being like, you know, I love him. He's great. And then we were like, you know what? Let's just come up with a phrase. Rigby. Richard is great, but you know. <laughs> That's right. I and then just Rigby. go to the bad stuff. Yes. So then we were like, we would just say the most horrible thing and be like, Rigby, Rigby, Rigby. 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 <laughs> I think we need a Rigby for, for life. We're in a Rigby for life situation. It's a little bit of a Rigby situation. And that could be like, also... Rigby, I am getting impatient and I want my life back. life back. Maybe we can make up a word that also describes uh, what my mood is, which is kind of indescribable and kind of a new thing. Raul? Can we go Raul? You feeling Raul? I'm feeling a little Raul. And Raul, I can't wait to get my life back. Whatever that means. But, but what does, what do you mean? So Raul is... It's a multi-purpose. Is Raul Rigby? It, Raul is Rigby, but Raul is also describing my mood. That's, then it can't be both Raul. We're not Smurfs. Here's what I think. Yes, are. you are. feeling Smurfy? Yes, we are. <laughs> I want it to be that when uh, someone I'm working with calls me and is like, how how you doing? I can say, Florgeens. And they're like, Okay. <laughs> Right. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't right. want to do the like, well, you know, hanging in there. It's, it's hard. Some days are easy. Some days are hard. Some I days want are... to say the word flarnkeens. And then I want you to sh- not ask me any more questions. Flarnkeens, <laughs> which is, I th- I would say more than Raul, that captures flarnkeens. the f- the feeling of this. I just had a text today from a friend of ours in London uh, who was like, how you holding up? And I was just like, oh, Flarnkeens. I love this guy. But I'm like, I, I don't know. Fucking... You know what else happened? Another friend of mine who lives in London was, uh, I was texting with her today and she said she went on a long walk uh, like yesterday and had to pee on a London street because she didn't feel comfortable going into a bathroom. And I there were no bathrooms for her to go into. This is the first time that public being is the responsible thing <laughs> she to do was like i just dropped trowel on the street and she's a very proper british woman uh, drop trowel i don't like <laughs> i have to tell you drop trowel is not we're not doing drop trowel <laughs> please don't do this one time uh why one, one, time, one time my friend and i were uh i think it was a halloween festival when i lived in chapel hill and chapel hill really goes bonkers for halloween they enjoy it quite a bit and she had to pee really badly and so she <laughs> drop trial don't please don't <laughs> on on in a yard which was not cool but to be fair we were doing our best with what we had in front of us there were no bathrooms anywhere and so she went to go pee in this yard and i started screaming oh shit they're coming As a, you're and so mean running. that's so mean <laughs> you were a bully that's your essential nature <laughs> I just, I didn't think she would take me seriously, but she really did. Why, if I was, (laughs) 
peeing publicly and you were like, they're coming, they're coming. <laughs> like specifically, they're coming. She also found it quite funny, but uh, she did also have pee all over her. So there is where we were with that. <clears throat> okay. How do you... Be, uh, what weird thing made you cry this week? Um, do you have one? Do you want to go first or should I go first? Um, I can go first. Just go first. I a lot of things made me cry this week. There's been a lot of, uh, uh-huh. you know, the world's good things and bad. There's bad things Florence that happen. Keys. Florence Keys. and unrelated to the pandemic. Um, hold on, Camille, can you remove the lid of the puzzle box so, so our cat has somewhere to sit, sit? in there? Yeah. there and then go, also honey. make that a place for her to sit. Both, well. both, uh, yeah, puzzle boxes are important for cats. To sit go in. ahead. Um. A lot of weird things made me cry because horrible things have happened that are unrelated to the um, pandemic uh, and uh, about police brutality. And then uh, that. So that's stuff that makes you cry. Yes. Justice is served in some ways. Still awful things are happening. Anyway. Well, where am I going with that? Yeah, I don't know. So I've cried a lot over those kinds of things. But the weird thing that made me cry was that I went to get uh, an infusion yesterday. I I was driving home and (laughs) the audition song. From La La Land came on. <laughs> My aunt used to live in Paris. My aunt used to live in Paris. That's how she started. That made you cry? I don't know why. That's why it's weird. Like normal things. Yeah, sure. Cry all day long. But um, yeah, I don't know why. Emma Stone you were knocks then, it out. You, it, were, you were then playing it last night. Uh, I did. I started singing it last night, and you, you were singing it with me. And then this sure. morning, I played it again just to like get myself out of the like that song makes me cry. Listen, it's a fine song. I happen to really love that movie. I, I think La La Land is great. But it's never made me cry before. Yes. Yeah. I think it's just like thinking about like um, movies. <laughs> just thinking about movies and crying. Just to feel and a I, lot of Florence to be To be fair, whenever I, I, I tend to feel a lot of, feel quite emotional and also a little bit, I'm loopy, as we know, after an infusion and also a little. <clears throat> if people who are listening for the first time, Emily yes. has a condition and she has to get monthly infusions and. This is the third one in the weirds. It's my third weirds one, yeah. That's so and, long. And the security has gotten tighter and tighter each time yeah. <laughs> that I go. But uh, I'm usually a bit emotional, a little bit self-pitying sometimes when I'm on the way home. So I think all that went into it. But that was the weird thing that made me cry this week, which was yesterday. What about uh, you, bud? You know, it, it was, uh, I was going to say what prompted me to understand that what I was feeling was impatient and missing my life was yesterday in L.A., uh, our mayor, Mayor Garchetti, I think you say it, who's been who's been good with everything. His someone in his office said that they're gonna they don't see the stay at home order being lifted until August, and yeah. I was like, and I listen, they know what they're doing. I don't know what they're Raul. doing. I will follow Raul Rigby, Florensky, all that. But seeing that and being like, how long we've been in this, we have longer to go yeah. because there's no like easy fix for this. No. Like we're, it, it, it is what it is. But, but seeing that, actually seeing that, I mean, part of me understood and knew it, I guess. But, but parts of the country are like fully opening up. There are pictures sure. of packed restaurants. Um, they never look like great restaurants. Can I say that? <laughs> what I'm like, this is the restaurant you're choosing to pack into. It's like those, like it looks like a, like a bad coffee shop that also makes like microwave sandwiches at the back. Often, like these those are, not, are the best. That's some of the best. I food. don't think so. 
It's not. Well, like, I mean, like, the gas station in my hometown makes the best fried chicken. This is your. Have. This is the story you say. <laughs> I don't. I don't fully buy it. Have you not had the chicken, honey? The chicken that the other chicken that we have at your in your hometown Slappies. is way better. Slappy's chicken. If you're in Winston Salem, uh, and they're reopened by the way for takeout. Oh my god! I wish we were there so we could have that chicken. Slappy's chicken, which is next door to my best friend's bar, Monstercade. Thanks, it's, everybody. Uh, Winston Salem. Uh, yeah. Corner is Slappy's over. is <laughs> better than the gas station chicken. Okay. Things that made me cry. Two things that made me cry. One, you witnessed. We were watching. It was like late at night. We couldn't. What happens to me is when I'm on the couch and it gets late at night and I can't, don't have the energy to get up and go to bed. Oh, the I Kamel go to, scroll. I go to the Kamel scroll. <laughs> I go to the Kamel scroll, which is looking up nonsense, but also <clears throat> looking up trailers. There was a new trailer for a movie star uh, called Ordinary Love. Starring Liam Neeson and Leslie Manville, who obviously, if we all know, Liam Neeson is an amazing, amazing actor. Leslie, Leslie Manville, Manville is Phantom Thread. She's a total legend. Killed that shit. Yeah. That's when, you know, I'm sure obviously she's done a lot of great stuff. But Phantom Thread, as you said, is when I first saw her. And sometimes you see someone doing one performance and you're like, oh, you're one of the best actors. Correct. Alive right 100% now. 100% correct. She's so good in that movie, in Phantom Thread. Amazing. Amazing. This trailer is about... Here we go. I didn't know anything about it. You know when you're like, you don't even know what it is, you hit play, it's late at night, and then suddenly you just... You get taken somewhere. Someone just comes and punches you in the face, and like, I did not order this, I'm trying to go to bed. It's a story where it's this couple, they love each other, and then she obviously, this is in the trailer, gets cancer, and then it's her fighting cancer while staying with him. And the trailer is so well done because it starts off very sweet and romantic. And then, it's also two older people who are falling yeah. in love. They fall in love when they're older, right? Is that right? I That's thought they the were already together. Oh, interesting. Either way. Let us know, Leslie Manville. The big point <laughs> of it is it's then it's pretty silent after that. And the whole story of the in the trailer of her fight with cancer is told just in images. And it's just such an elegant trailer it's so well done and then they each say one sentence later it's just a beautifully done trailer and <laughs> i was like feeling something coming up and as it was over it was just like tears I, and i was like i think both of us went oh no oh no <laughs> and i remember having the thought i was like i will never see that movie That's right. i will never be in a place where i can watch that movie what was the movie that I watched the trailer of and I cried so hard that I started laughing hysterically. It was the, I think it was a movie called uh, A Monster Calls. That's right. I have never seen this movie, but I remember watching the trailer crying so hard that I just started laughing like I had no control it of myself. It was. And then going, I'll never see this. I'll never see this. Yeah. I'll never watch this I, it, movie. The mo that movie looks beautiful. It's I basically, I think her mom dies and then a monster shows up. And the monster is also somehow like representative yeah. of, I don't know. Grief, I assume, yeah. or something, whatever it is. No, thanks. I generally love uh, fantasy horror movies that are about grief. Real things, yeah. Yeah, like um, The Babadook's a real good one. Oof, one of the best. What, one of the greats. But that trailer, I was like, okay, that is too well done. I looked up reviews. The reviews are very good. No, thank and you. And that made me realize I will never see it. Yeah. If the reviews weren't as good, I'd be like, okay, I'll watch it. <laughs> but if the reviews are so good, I'm like, I will be devastated me, by sir, this Would you movie. like to have your heart ripped asunder? Would you like that? Yeah. Let's go for it. <laughs> you know that feeling? It's like, uh, we're just like, the, the tears are just coming and you can't stop them coming. Obviously, you know that. But it's not even, it's not like your face is crying, but your eyes are crying. 
That's where I was. I was like, I don't know. It wasn't even, I don't know. Turn it's, off the tap. Your jaw hurts from not crying. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Were yeah. you just like clenching to not cry? Got that's that lump what, in the throat. That's a real thing. The other one that made me tear up, not like that, was uh, Saturday Night Live has been doing these mm-hmm. um, sort of Zoom shows, right? There's Saturday Night Live at Home, it's called. And then this last one, they did this. Uh, the last sketch is called Dreams, and it's it's not really that funny. Actually, there's a couple jokes in it that I was like, I wish you kind of hadn't done those right. jokes. It's just all the cast members sleeping, and then they're in their dreams, they're like walking around New York City, and it's the New York City that we all know and love. And New York is such a, um, in some way, a symbol of America, right? Like, I, I would say most of the world, when they think of America, the think of New York City and to see that New York City has been going through such difficult times and then to see what it used to be like, just like packed. And and the way that they'd done it was they'd sort of green screened our cast members, even though they have footage of them in New York, but they green screened them and then sort of pasted them into... It almost like it was intentionally fake looking. You know it what was I mean? intentionally fake so. looking. And I think that made it more poignant mm-hmm. because it was like, right. They, this isn't it, real. This is not a memory that they're having. Exactly. This is not them being actually out there. This is a dream. This is the future. And it made me really cry. <laughs> I was just, I just thought, I just thought it was really, really beautiful. Um, and watching SNL, which we've been obviously huge fans of, and we watch every week. Yeah. Seeing mm-hmm. SNL affected by this, which is such an institution, uh, has been a weird thing too. Obviously, everything is affected, but seeing something that has been so unchanged since like the seventies, yeah. so profoundly changed. They did a good job of innovating. I think there's like a for me, there's a limit to how much like Zoom comedy I can watch. Do you know right. what I mean? Well, that's limiting. That's, it's hard. Yeah, that's know. and they, I think they've done a good job of like, and you also get to see, by the way, the the people on the show who are very adept at doing like online comedy versus the people who kind of are more at home doing live sketch stuff. Right. Not that both are great, but you kind of see some of them have strengths in that area where others are, don't have as many strengths. Some people just know Mm -hmm. how to play into a camera. Into a camera. Yeah. Yeah, Which is a weird. How they came up for some of the younger people. It's kind of, it's a cool, it's an interesting divide to kind of watch. Um, There's a thing that let's maybe talk about the Atlantic article. There was an Atlantic article that came out, I think, uh, this week Just, by yeah. Julia Marcus. It's called Quarantine Fatigue is Real. I highly recommend reading it. It's an interesting, what it's kind of, uh, and let me just read a couple of quotes from it. <clears throat> it's kind of starting to talk about, uh, it starts out talking about the AIDS epidemic and how at first everybody was like, no, don't have sex. You can't have sex. And then the idea is that you kind of have to create new rules for this. So I'll just read a couple of quotes from it. Public health campaigns that promote the total elimination of risk, such as abstinence-only sex, education, are a missed opportunity to support lower-risk behaviors that are more sustainable in the long term. Abstinence-only education is not just ineffective, but it's been associated with worse health outcomes. Interesting. In part because it deprives people of an understanding of how to reduce their risk if they do choose to have sex. And without a nuanced approach to risk, nuance, that word that many people in this country have a hard time with, a nuanced approach to risk, abstinence-only messaging can only can inadvertently stigmatize anything less than 100% risk reduction. Well, and she's talking here about mm. some of the 
shaming. Americans have seen this unfold in real time over the past two months as pandemic shaming. The invective online and in person directed at those perceived as violating social distancing rules has become a national pastime, including us, by the way. When we see people without masks, we uh, sometimes yell and say, get away from us. Well, we don't we don't I don't yell at people who aren't wearing masks. I do say Mm -hmm. six feet to people who aren't wearing masks and making no effort to keep a distance. Exactly. Uh, but but I feel okay. See, this is my point. The the thing is, Emily, <laughs> I am correct. <laughs> okay, we're not even going to get into that conversation because no, no, no. we've no, had no, it many no, times. No, no, no. The anger behind this is still from the article. The anger behind shaming is understandable. Photos of crowded beaches or videos of people at a large indoor party may make viewers feel as if they're watching coronavirus transmission in action. Calling out seemingly dangerous behavior can also provide an illusion of control at a time when it's particularly hard to come by. But as years of research on HIV prevention have shown, shaming does not eliminate risky behavior. It just drives it underground. So basically what she's saying here is, what she's proposing is that it's not binary. It's not like 100% adherence versus 100% uh, being completely... Wild and free. Yeah, being completely like reckless about it, right? What she's saying is that there are, as things start opening up, there are sort of middle grounds where, and that I think it's crazy that this is not happening. We should be having the CDC sort of telling us Wouldn't that be great? what the guidelines are. Wouldn't like, how can you mitigate risk? You can't eliminate risk. Yes. How can you go? Because people are like, if it's all of this, I'm not going to do that. Therefore, I, I might as well not do any of this. Right. Um, and it's not that. And I'm going to read one more thing from it. The decision to go for a run with a friend or gather in a park with extended family may be in conflict with current public health guidance in some communities. But for some people, the low risk of coronavirus transmission in these settings, outdoor settings, may be outweighed by the health benefits of human connection, exercise, and being outdoors. We can also acknowledge that some people can't comply with the public health guidance because of structural factors, including systemic racism, that render physical distancing a privilege. If we ignore this broader context, people of color will continue to bear the brunt of not only the pandemic itself, but also American society's response to it. Um, and what they're basically, uh, and it is true, that's what we, everybody was like, abstinence, abstinence, no sex, no sex. And as Donna Martin said in 90210, you can build a fence around the pool as much as you want. But kids are still going to find a way to get into that pool. And what's the pool? Coitus? Sex. Um, sex. She That was like a, the best scene she ever had on that show when she was like arguing that they shouldn't have abstinence uh, education. They should have sex education. Um, and that was many years ago. Somehow we're still having so that So we fight. need sort of sex education for this. Yeah. I mm-hmm. will say, you know, she says that I would not want anybody to do anything that isn't under current public health guidance. Like, if there is a place, I'm disagreeing with her a little bit in specifics, not in spirit. If there's a place that says, don't go to a park, I don't want people to defy that and go gotcha. to a park. I hear what you're saying. I don't want people to go to a beach, even if they're, they're saying hum- exercise, all this stuff is important. I agree with that. But I would judge people. If a beach is closed, you're not supposed to go and people are going there, right? right? I don't want that to happen. But I think as it seems like a lot of states are opening up, relaxing their guidelines, what we need is... New guidelines. Yeah. Who's going to who's gonna write those up? Not you. This idea that it's all sort of up to the states themselves is difficult and scary because no matter how well California is doing, if another state is not doing as well and and they're not following safety guidelines, 
travel between states is not going to be limited. So yeah, that's going to affect us too. Yeah, we all. It's just going to extend the amount of time we're in this in the weirds. In the weirds, that is correct. And basically, what they're finding is that it seems like uh, well-ventilated spaces, outdoor spaces, not crowded spaces, are better if you're going to go with risk reduction than small confined. Yeah, which like is, that awful coffee shop. Yeah. And most of the restaurants in New York, by the way, like that's my favorite thing about restaurants in right. New York. It's like seven tables. There's 150 people inside somehow. Oh, it's the, so loud. You, if you have a purse, you have to hold it over your head or else that purse will knock into everyone's stuff. Oh, did you see? I think this was in London. There is a uh, restaurant, a fancy restaurant that's opening up again with guidelines, but to make it seem full. Oh, they're putting mannequins They're in? putting mannequins thank you do not want no thank you i don't want dead-faced people looking at me if you do the, here's what you need you need the mannequins you yeah. need also a soundtrack of a crowd talking yeah to play at low volume yeah exactly do you want to feel more comfortable here's some plastic corpses that will be staring at you without blinking for the duration of or your eating, meal or doing anything <laughs> yeah i get the sentiment behind that because it is weird to be in a restaurant that is empty which we have done several times when well, you go early we're like we're early, early dinner eaters, eaters yeah. like we're old and and we're late old. so we'll like go to a fancy restaurant at 6 p.m we'll get there when the doors are locked mm-hmm. and you go in and you're the only one for the duration of the meal and it is awkward you have to speak quietly because you don't want to talk about like weird stuff that it's, the staff can it hear. is weird yeah. I, I i think and, and in the weirds that has only made our oldness more stark because we're eating dinner earlier and earlier. Yeah. But this Friday, we have decided that we will not be eating dinner until 7.30. Oh, it's going to so hurt. We're going to be so hope, hungry and angry. get a good night's sleep Thursday <laughs> night, honey, because we are burning the 9 p.m. oil <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. Um, little update on the um, the pooper. I, listen, we're not going to spend a whole nother episode talking about poop. No. But the the person who was pooping in other people's, in that football field of a high school. Was other people's field. Right. What was, in fact, a school superintendent. Uh, here's what's interesting about it. I went and looked him up. <laughs> the school pooper. The school pooper. He was, to be clear, he was going to a rival school's football. I don't know if it was a rival school. But it was a different I, school. I think when you're a superintendent, aren't you over multiple schools? Oh, I thought that he was going to a school outside his jurisdiction. Uh, not a hundo percent sure. Why are we abbreviating everything? But I, those are not even the important details. School superintendent uh, was doing the pooping. And here's what's crazy. So I looked it up. He got charged with this the story came out in like may of 2018 he continued to post to his personal blog which is what is a blog about the blog is about school stuff (laughs) just like tips on how to run great schools yeah he literally was like posting like well here's what we do to stop teachers from leaving the profession and that came out in like july and i'm like you're like why are you You gotta go poop (laughs) live your life be free. And then suddenly in August of 2018, these are the wormholes I go down when I find out something. I will find every aspect of a, a small time, like news stories life. I just get very excited. No, about this it. is good. So August of 2018, he then stopped posting and has not posted at all. He also, by the way. So by the way, yes. just to clarify, yes. he got found out and outed in May as the school That's pooper. when the story came out. Yes. The story came out. For three to four months, he was like, I'm going to ride this out, pretend like it never happened. Keep doing my little tips about how to run schools real good. I think he disabled comments, perhaps. 
Yeah. But also, he did then sue the... But po- then August, he stopped. August, he stopped. And then he, at some point, sued the police department for releasing his uh, booking photo. Because you're not supposed to if it's not a... A violent crime, apparently. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what happened with that lawsuit. Depends on how you define violent crime. <laughs> but that's an update on that guy. Didn't say his name. Don't need to. It's fine. You can look it up if you want to. I I will say, uh, uh, and he has not updated since August 2018? No. I is he okay? Is he okay? I don't want him to be like. Oh, I don't want. I don't. I don't get the impression that he's. Well, I don't know why, what I'm basing that on. I do have a personal. When I hear about that, it upsets me. It upsets everyone, but I have a personal connection to it because when I lived in Chicago for a year, I lived in Wrigleyville, which is right by Wrigley Field. It's a block and a half away from Wrigley Field, and that's where baseballs played. And that's where they played the baseball. That's correct. And that's the one where that guy, remember, who's the the Cubs fan like uh, caught the ball instead of one of the Cubs players catching the ball, Moises Alou. Do you remember this was a huge thing? His name was, I don't want to say his name again because it ruined his life. He was a guy, he had headphones on, he was a big Cubs fan. Someone hit the ball, the bad guys oh, hit the ball. I do remember, and he caught it when it should have been caught by the player to make the person Right, out. Moises Alou was going to catch yes. it and he went over and caught it instead. It ruined this guy's life and he didn't give an interview for a long time until like in the last few months he gave an interview. He was the biggest Cubs fan and it was just instinct. He just went out and caught the ball. I do not blame him. I was not in the field for that, but I was at a place. You weren't playing on the field? Uh, No, no, no. I was not Steve Barton. (laughs) I'm just saying I wasn't in the uh, crowd. Okay. (laughs) But I was watching the game at a bar right next to it. So I was there. Like you could hear when the game, I was close enough. When the game is happening, you hear everything. Sure. Yeah. However you feel about baseball, however you feel about the Cubs, after the game, all these, it's a huge stadium. Cubs fans would come out and it's, it was like the rules of society did not apply. I would see men catcalling women. Like they were just hammered. We all knew to avoid that area yes. after a game. And, and the, the, just the de- decent rules of society were suspended for like the two hours. People would go because it would be sunny out. You drink. And a baseball game is what? Seven to eight hours? <laughs> so long. You drink for seven to eight hours. You don't. All you're eating is like soggy hot dog. You're not drinking water. They're not hydrating. They come out. They are fall down drunk, stumbling and uh, uh, yelling at women, getting into fights. It's a hell. It's a hell over there. You might love the Cubs. Good for you. I challenge you to go live right by Wrigley Field for a season. You know how many games that is? It's like over 100 games. How does this relate to... So I lived there and I had... My house was on a street right by and we had an open yard and there would be people constantly peeing in our yard. So similar to our friend in London and similar to my my friend in Chapel Hill. That's why, yes, exactly. And and similar to, well, the superintendent. Similar to the superintendent. Peeing... All the time, constantly, all the time, our yard, which was a lovely house and I had lovely roommates, was full of peace. So, but even with that, I, I don't wish ill on this superintendent, but it, it just don't, like... Don't uh, defecate on I've other people. Ne- I don't pee outside. I don't like peeing in lawns. I don't like... I, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like weird about bathroom situations yes, anyway. But I don't think public peeing is cool or fun or... or I don't know if they were doing it because they thought it was cool. Some people think it's fine. I don't think it's fine. I don't think it's fine to go and just like... Find a yard. Leave your waste all over the place. (laughs) Leave your waste all over the place. Uh, I have a question for you, Kamel. 
I got really worked up yeah, about the, the Cubs talk. I am sorry. It was a tough, it was a hard year, as Ben Stiller would say in the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, here's my question for you, Kamel. Are you an Aragorn girl or a Legolas girl? Me? Yeah. You know what I am. What are you? I'm an Aragorn girl. Are you? Oh, yeah. See, this oh, was yeah. a... Um, a this was a piece uh, in The Cut that was written by, by Sangeeta Singh Kurtz uh, this past week. Uh, and it was, I had never thought about it, but I do feel like you can divide uh, people who are attracted to men into two categories, Legolas and Aragorn. You, you, all men? No. I right. said you can, anybody who's attracted to men, you can divide them sure, into. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. So, and I'm going to quote from this uh, wonderful article. Aragorn is a man revealed to be the somewhat reluctant heir to several important thrones, which he takes up at the end of the story. Spoiler alert. These are from Lord of the Rings. I'm so sorry. You should know that if you listen to Emily, I do know it. Why I, would you tell me? <laughs> I'm telling the listeners. He is noble, loyal, and good with a sword. He even has a hot elfin girlfriend whom he loves. He's played by a young Vigo Mortensen, and I suppose he's attractive in a rugged suppose. way. How dare you, Sangeeta? Let's that one where he, uh, in slow motion, opens the door and walks in, and he's all swaying? So hot. Oh, so my hot. goodness. Uh, with sweaty, shoulder-length black hair, swarthy skin, and bright green eyes. In the other corner, we have the elf, Legolas, who joins Aragorn and several other characters to form a fellowship to defeat evil in the first film. He has the inhuman speed and sight characteristic of his race, and his skill in combat, especially with the longbow, is peerless. Most importantly, he's exquisitely, effeminately beautiful. Long, silver blonde hair, china blue eyes, and a slim body. Lithe slim body. A sexless beauty is how he is described, which I would absolutely agree with. You think he's sexless? I think Legolas is sexless. He doesn't seem... Nothing about him, like, Aragorn's going to give it to you raw. Do you know what I mean? Well, uh, what was that movie where he does that made you uh, <laughs> leave your <laughs> your husband? <laughs> what was that movie? Yeah. Uh, uh, a Brief a History hi- of Violence hi- or something? It history was, of Violence. It was a History of Violence, and there is a, there, there is a hot sex scene in that movie. I, don't, I probably am going to take this out. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to talk about this. All right. Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, Yeah. But Legolas is, this is still from the piece, but Legolas's allure doesn't end at his beauty. It also has to deal with the quality of his character. By the way, really tipping her hand under which one she prefers, by the way. <laughs> he's diligent about protecting his friends. He always has one eye on Aragorn in battle. He's saved his life more than once. He also lacks the aggressive machismo energy of his mortal uh, and dwarf compatriots, pr- preferring to deliver death with an arrow to the heart rather than a bloody brutality of a sword. I don't think there's a difference between killing someone with a sword or killing someone with an arrow. Yeah. Um... Aragorn's heroism is more familiar. He's stoic, unsmiling, and occasionally brutal. When his brooding does give way to humor, he checks it by reminding himself of some monumental burden or another. And of course, he's secretly a king. Okay, Sankita, we get it. You like Legolas more. Yeah. But for the Aragorn people out here. This is editorializing. What are you? You know what I am. I'm Aragorn. Honey, when was I ever an Aragorn? Oh, you are. (laughs) Wow. Do you want to take that again? (laughs) And you're, you're not a, a little Legolas. more convincing. You're not a Legolas. I feel like to be into a Legolas is to be like pining for a guy that you know is never going to want to be with you, who has like is kind of above it all. Like, Ethan Hawke is a Legolas in Reality that. Bites. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I don't. But I, I don't think Ben Stiller's an Aragorn. 
no. <laughs> in that movie. No. Uh, I think it's an interesting... I also feel like for those who are fans of Trixie and Mattel... Uh, Trixie and Mattel, wow. For those who are fans of uh, Trixie and Katya, you either are a Trixie or you're a Katya, I feel like. And I just like to these... Um, in a world that doesn't actually have that many binaries, it's fun to have a couple binaries to divide yourselves into. Right. You're a Trixie 1000% and I'm definitely a Katya. What do you mean? Uh, you're... <laughs> How do oh, I... God. <laughs> Uh, Let's see how you can insult your husband you- <laughs> and one of your idols. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's see this happen. Very excited. You just are. Anyway, like listen, Aragorn. <laughs> Let's take a break, shall we? <laughs> we'll be right back. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. And we are back. Welcome back to Staying In with Emily and Kumail. Thanks yes. for listening to the ads and thanks for um, going and getting that shit. And th- thanks again to Harry for doing a great job reading the ads. An amazing job. Um, I wanted to, I tried to come up with a few more things you could do to kind of um, pass the time. We're all getting a little bit bored. I suggested some of these to my parents and they were like, what's wrong with you, Emily? Um, here are some fun questions you can ask your spouse slash co-quarantiner ready yes um and we don't actually have to answer these if you don't want to but, on here. but i'll i'll uh, you ask me okay. well, what is it i ask you you ask me how do uh, we do this i'll ask you okay do you believe in ufos yes <laughs> i saw that could not wait to go <laughs> ufos are like my one sort of thing that people consider oh god look at how i sound <laughs> that people consider uh you want like magical thing out of the in. magical things, I don't believe in Bigfoot or Loch Ness monster or or uh-oh, anything. Uh oh. But Hot. but UFOs, I think that there have just been. How much time do we have? <laughs> I just think that there have been way too many cases from way too many credible sources. There's just been way too many credible witnesses to this. Um, recently, a bunch of videos. Ha- yeah. The videos have been leaked a while ago. They're like, here, look at this. Hey guys, look at this. Right. <laughs> But exactly, exactly. They're like, there's a pandemic. You can't see it. But what you can see is proof of UFOs. But these videos were leaked a couple of years ago. And it's basically like Navy pilots and stuff being like, look at that thing go. Look at that thing go. Um, Those are official videos. And you can see something there, right? I've been a fan of UFOs since I was a little kid. Since I was a little kid, I had like, I would, um, (laughs) is everything okay? I just pulled a hair out of my Okay. Uh, We're doing fine. Quarantine's affecting us all. Um, it's, uh, this, uh, since I was a little kid, I was into UFOs. I would read books. I'd see pictures of like people who have that like checkered board radiation burn marks and stuff. And been inclined to believe UFOs forever. I know people personally who claim to have seen stuff. Um, 
I don't think most sort of reasonable people would disagree that there is life somewhere, but a lot of reasonable people would disagree that maybe they've been here. Um, I think that we have, I think there are aliens, man. And I'm, I cannot Great. wait for them to be like, to sh- come on down. I think they're waiting. Like They're like, they're a bit of a mess right We're now. We're going to see who wins this battle. Yeah. The, this right here is a little bit like, I think if they can't come in now, it's like your mom walking on, in on you masturbating, where you're just like, <laughs> right oh my God, this is how dare you? We were, <laughs> this is not the time. We were going to put a banquet together. We're sorry. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were, were going to clean up the room right after this. So basically, we're in that phase right now. So. Uh, uh, I, that UFOs, aliens are the one thing that I'm the most frightened of. Uh, yeah, did we talk about this? One of my favorite movies is uh, Close Encounters of the Third mm-hmm. Kind. And we, uh, I show, we, we watched it together the other day. Not the other day. This was actually before The Weirds. And your reaction. I, I cried in a terror. I, t- I had a terror cry. When the, at the end, the friendly, the adorable- benign <laughs> aliens show up. You know, when the friendly aliens show up. I definitely... It's a combination of seeing too many things at too young of an age, which included E.T. Fuck you if you think that's cute. You hate him. It's not and cute. as you said, his wrinkly penis body. He's a horror. He's a horror. And I, no, I and can't. We were at Universal Studios and we rode the E.T. ride. Because I was I like, did, I'm fine. I can handle this. I did not realize how real your fear of E.T. was. It was the e. same was. terror cry that I had when we watched Close Encounters. I did not. I had the same I've, terror cry. I've never seen that On kind of terror sitting cry. sitting next to a six-year-old who was having the time of his life. Yeah. It's it's pretty. <laughs> Why is that ride still open? Why? Close it down. There's other movies that have come out. It's like not a scary ride the at all. The idea that E.T. would when he puts on the, like when he's in drag. Go, are you kidding me? That's a horror. Well, maybe that's why you like uh, Drag Race now. No. So there are too many. That That's one thing that I saw too young. It's I, also interesting because you like aliens who are, you, you, you like scary aliens. You're okay with al- like the xenomorph alien. Yes. Show them not, what they are. They're monsters. Okay. But you're not okay with the friendly aliens. I don't like the um, the greys with the big eyes. You don't like And the, the little slit mouths. Fuck you. Go to back to whatever hell you came from. <laughs> The, I don't like, I saw E.T. way too young. I definitely saw Close Encounters way too young, which I didn't realize until we rewatched it. And I was crawling out of my skin with horror. I've never seen you have that reaction. Yeah. I like, I didn't know whether to, it was, it was, uh, it was just very upsetting to watch, but also hilarious. <laughs> and I watched a lot of Unsolved Mysteries as a kid. And that kind of convinces you that you have definitely been taken by aliens and they just wiped your mind, which is what I believe. Um so these are this is these are just fun questions to ask your yeah. co-quarantiner. Have you ever seen a ghost? No, but once somebody, uh, ta- I was sleeping in my bed and someone tapped on my head twice and I looked up and nobody was there. That's exciting. I was very little. It scared the crap out of me. That's very exciting. Twice. Uh, one tap could be anything. Two. Two taps. Well, I wonder what it but was. But I don't believe in ghosts. Okay. Um, I've never seen one either, but I feel like I could handle ghosts. Yeah. They used to be people. Yeah. Not poltergeist. I don't know what those are. Um, what movie did you watch over and over again in middle school or high school or whatever? I watched the Ninja Turtles movie a billion times. <laughs> I, there was one summer where I watched that movie every single day. And the VHS I had before it had an ad for Pizza Hut. Of course. And the song was, uh, this little kid is playing baseball and he's like not good at it. Uh and the song is, uh, I can remember the song. Off in the distance, the game's dragging on. The strikes on the batter, some runners are on. 
Suddenly everyone's looking at me. I can't sing. My mind is wondering what could it be. And I love, and a baseball falls into my glove. It's telling a whole story, a full story. Yeah. It's a, important to know it. Gotta know how to catch. Gotta know how to throw. That's why I play in right field. Way up where the dandelions grow. Pizza Hut. And then they go to Pizza Hut to celebrate their victory. This is like that Monopoly commercial everybody was making fun of with like the women, the young women who are like it's, inventors and are like, Miss Monopoly. Right. Here that's it is for you. Amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm a bad singer and I did forget some words in there, but, that but that's the movie I watched over and over. Do you, you don't remember? I bet. I bet we will get some people who will know exactly what song I'm talking about because it's on the Ninja Turtles VHS. Right. Well, I did not watch that VHS over and over again. Also, I probably would have fast forwarded past the commercial at some point. <laughs> it was part of it. It's part of the movie. Uh, I watch Young Guns 2 every day. Really? For at least a full summer in my parents' basement uh, where I could be alone with it. And what is the song? <laughs> okay. So who, who, Down who from... Down in a blaze of glory. That's yes. the... Uh, this is a bunch of... So who from that movie All did you want to be alone <laughs> All of them, every single one of them. Emilio Estevez. Had a real Balthazar Getty thing. I think maybe because he was the youngest one. And I was like, I could, maybe we were a good match. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I, Who I, else I, is uh, in that movie? Uh, Emilio Estevez. Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips. Ooh, hot stuff. Um, I don't, I actually don't even, I want to say there's no way River Phoenix is in it. No. But I, I'll put River Phoenix in anything. Um yeah, I watched it over and over again. And Young Guns 2 was a bigger deal than Young Guns 1. Lou Diamond for Emilia Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Keith, of course. Keith's How could hot. you forget? Oh my God, Christian Slater. This movie's made for you. Oh, Christian Slater was in it. Yeah, this movie's made Nothing for you. Nothing was hotter than Christian Slater to me as a young woman. Um, yeah, you were gleaming your cube to him, right? I was gleaming all the cubes. We there was a. Do you remember there was a Comic-Con party? Like one or two years yes, ago, and, and he, I he walked by me as he was leaving, and I fell at. I went to the terror cry again. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> we were at the Entertainment Weekly Comic Con party, which yes. is the big party, mm. and we were talking to our friend Eugene Merman. And I remember Christian Slater walked by, and your reaction—you were like a little girl. <laughs> it was real. Silly. It was adorable. I didn't did, talk to him. Did we? You didn't say no. Hi I didn't know. That was. I mean, who? What am I? Hey, Christian Slater. Um, do you know how many women who are like in their like early 40s that just come up to him and like with their eyes bright, <laughs> just weirded out? Uh, okay. If you went to college, what did you get out of it? This is a good question to ask your co-quarantiner. Interesting. Class. I became a person in college. Okay. I became, I learned to sort of start liking myself or even knowing who I was a little bit in college. Before that, um, I didn't like myself and I didn't feel... Uh, uh, can I t- tell this real quick? Have we talked about this here? I sort of, after high school in Pakistan, stopped talking to all my good friends. And, and you moved, by the way, to the States I moved college. to the States for college, mm-hmm. and I sort of lost touch with everyone. And then I, in the last year and a half or so, have gotten back in touch with all those friends. And one of those friends was like a really, really sweet guy. I talk to him now all the time. And I've gotten to meet these guys. They're lovely. Yeah, they're lovely, lovely dudes. They were, he was like, why did you stop contacting us? He was like, I came to Chicago and I contacted you. And he's like, I'm sorry if I'm asking you this, but we were like really close friends and you just stopped talking to me and you just cut ties with everybody and why was that and i realized it was because in in high school i didn't like who i was i didn't know who i was and these people who were my friends i thought until now 
because I hadn't processed it. I thought that it was like charity. Like I was like, why would they hang out with me? I have like nothing. So to you con- were doing them a favor by not not talking to them anymore. I just and and I think also it reminded me. I was kind of like, well, you guys don't need to put up this charade anymore. Yes, you were doing them. A, they were doing you a favor by hanging out with you. That's how I thought. And also. Um, you know, it was like you, I'd call them and they wouldn't be, he wouldn't be home. And I was like, oh, they're all hanging out without me. Like that crushing feeling and calling over and over and seeing if he's back, seeing if he's back or how long are they hanging out without me? And it was like a bad time. And I was bullied a lot in high school as well, but these, not from these guys. These guys were lovely. And so I, uh, uh, I, and I cut ties with them one because of what you said, but also because it reminded me, I think of how I felt about myself mm-hmm. and I really didn't like that. And so I told these guys that, and they were like, "What we, the fuck are you yeah, talking about?" They were like, "We love, we love you. You were great. We had a great time hanging out. You were like funny and interesting and cool." But I never, I never felt like that. So that's what I got out of college was starting the very long journey of of starting to like myself. And perhaps you needed to start fresh somewhere. I think I to, did to be able to do that. But I also feel like I'm very happy I'm back in touch with them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I am still, I, you know, my family is still basically where I grew up. And so a lot of my friends that I had as a young woman when I was a hot ass mess uh, are still there. And it is a weird thing to go back and like, you've like, you've got your shit together and you're like, oh, cool. I've got, I'm a great grown up. And then, but they're the people that have seen you be embarrassing. <laughs> and it is an odd thing to like, I know that anybody that when you and I go and hang out with my friends back home, at any point in time, any one of them could say something, you know who I am, so it wouldn't actually bother you. But I <laughs> no. for a little bit, it, it was like this thing of like, they could destroy me because they'd know how they know, they truly know who I was when I didn't like myself. Um, but weirdly, it's like, it doesn't bother, it doesn't bother me anymore because you know that person too. But it right. was like, a, it was an odd thing. It's an odd thing to have to go back and confront who you were. I think that that phase that you went through was really uh, admirable because what you have said was you didn't like yourself. So then you were kind of like, well, then I will be unlikable on my own terms. Whereas I wanted desperately to be liked and that did not happen. You kind of went the other way. And I think what you did, there's certainly more agency in that. And I think that it's a little, it just speaks to who you are and always have been, which is a rebel. I'm the orc that when Aragorn stabs me, I, I, you pull the sword, I pull the sword harder into myself. <laughs> then you headbutt them. <laughs> That's head exactly <laughs> the difference between you and me. That's right. You get stabbed. You pull the sword in because you're like, fuck you. Look me in the eyes when <laughs> you murder me. me. Which is what yeah, you say in the big Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, whoa, what's your favorite ice cream flavor, sir? <laughs> hey, Aragorn. Hey, we're not so different. You and I, right? Hey, what are you doing? You want to play Trivial Pursuit? The one difference that I had is that my friends and I back then were very open with each other about how we hated ourselves and how everybody kind of, we felt like everybody hated us. You were... You you guys talked about how you hated yourselves? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Really? Where, my close friends, absolutely. Interesting. The rest of the world couldn't know that. Whereas it felt like you thought you were going through this thing in a boat by yourself when all these guys were in the boat with you. You just I didn't know. realize. I realize now that all these guys hated their high school experience as much as I hated yeah. mine. And I thought that they liked it. But what I didn't realize was that this little group of people, we sort of, um, and we talk about it now. This is a... I'm so lucky I have a lot of sensitive men in my life. We all talk about how tough it was for us and how we got 
each other through it. Yeah. Without realizing it, without openly discussing it. No. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until much, much later. I didn't realize that they were going through what I was going through until we started having this conversation. And part of it was I was probably a little bit self-involved. Hmm. Still am. As, hmm. <laughs> yes, go ahead. The response is, hmm. uh, what I got out of college <laughs> is uh, I learned to, uh, I learned that nobody would give a shit if I didn't, I use, I, I was self-involved in the way I'm like, well, if I don't do stuff, then my teachers will tell me and somebody will like tell me like, oh, you should give, you know, like you should concentrate more. You should work harder. You should. And I realized in college, like, oh, no one's going to do that. From here on out, You're no on one own. gives a shit if I do a thing or not. I can flunk out. I can not flunk out. And that helped me tremendously to be like, this has got to be on me because nobody else is going to do it. Yeah, this. you got to motivate yourself instead of your mom's mom telling you to. And that's that's really interesting because you are still, you know, up until I met you, my dad was the hardest working person I'd ever met. And now I think it's you. But I think you guys are both very, very hardworking in different ways. My dad, your dad and me? Yeah, we you, have a lot in common. Well, you have like a tremendous work ethic and discipline. Well, so do you. It's a little different. Why? We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to talk about Fair it. Fair enough. But you really, you know, you you get after it. I get after it. <laughs> do you believe in any conspiracy theories? These are more, we're still doing questions. It's we've really eaten up a couple of, a couple of minutes talking about this among ourselves. So imagine what you could do at home with right. your significant other. Right. Do you believe in any conspiracy theories? Uh, I mean, the cover-up of aliens, mm -hmm. sure. I mean, and there were certain things that, experiments and stuff, like MKUltra and stuff. You know, I was a big, um, before conspiracy, I was a big conspiracy theory guy in the sense I didn't believe them. I thought they were fun until conspiracy theories literally Turned ruined into the a world. personality They got type? so serious yeah. and like it's not, not fun at all. not a personality type, you guys. No. It's not. <laughs> it's, it is interesting how there are certain, I would say, Batshit crazy conspiracy theories that are actually harmful to believe. I'm not going to name them. No. but And the people who follow them all fit the same demo. So that's interesting. Um, so maybe that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, they're all Stepford wives. Um, I just feel, yeah, I used to love them. You know, I used to do like, I used to go down like Reddit conspiracy mm -hmm. theory holes. And it was really, really exciting. Uh, that's why I love the X-Files, but now not as, I never believed any of them really. And now I don't go down there because I see that if people it's take them deadly seriously, it's, uh, it could be tragic. I tell you what I believe. I think that more actresses than we realize are using um, surrogates to have children and just wearing prosthetic baby bellies. That's one I believe in. And by the way, that's not on them. That's on society for making it that it's, you're not allowed to right. have, use a surrogate when you have to keep your body in a certain shape. It's totally fine. Yeah, it's completely fine to do. But I think it's happening more than than any of us. I think that's it. Like, so, it's not even a conspiracy as much as it's like that's just something I believe that maybe sounds a little wonky. So you need different size bellies then. How you, many? Yeah. How many do you need? You have so much money. Yeah, you can just get. But how many is it? A new belly a week? A new belly a month? What's the? No idea. But I bet they pass them around too. Right. Once you've used it, yeah. you, you have your set of bellies. You got your, <laughs> You don't need them. Got your belly set. Um, okay. Final one. <laughs> Small one. Do you love yourself? All right. <laughs> All right. That no. That's a question. I'm. I think I do. Yeah, I do. I, I love. Just, I, I. I love. I love most of myself, and great. some of it has been seeing myself through your eyes has made me feel more of a valid person. 
That's very lovely to hear. It is, but I wish it had come from within. But it is within now. But However it comes. I've, you know, you, you know my... I just think it's interesting that we can be with someone. This is most, mostly for people who are with significant others. And to not know if the person you're with loves themselves. It's a kind of a... I think that's a good question for us to ask. Do you love yourself, Emily? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, Hell you yeah, should. Do. The world loves you. Okay. We're it's gonna, a whole... Harry, can we cut that out? I'm <laughs> no, <laughs> Harry, leave that in. Uh, <laughs> the world loves you. I'm just going to put that in over and over so you can't take the, it out. Uh, yeah, okay. Should we talk about entertainment that we have consumed? Yeah, let's take a quick break, come back, okay. talk about entertainment we've been consuming. And we are back. Hello. Uh, so we'll talk about entertainment we've been consuming. Emily, why don't you, why don't you get her started? <laughs> and then I'll get her done. <laughs> and then I'll get her out of here. Absolutely. Um, I saw a movie called Bit. Uh, it is tremendous. Kumail, could you look up the, the writer-director's name, please? Yes. Um, this is described as a queer, uh, a queer vampire horror comedy. And I could not agree more with that. It is a new take on vampires that I haven't seen before. It's a pretty low budget movie. Um, and if you could read the like stars and the, uh, just it, I'm bad it's stuff. directed and written by Brad Michael Elmore and stars Nicole Maines, Diana Hopper, Friday Chamberlain, Nandy McLean, Zach Cosby, James Paxton, MC Ganey. Uh, I loved it. It's, it's out on VOD. I guess iTunes, wherever you get, like, uh, I highly recommend it. It's a very fun, slick movie. It looks gorgeous. The performances are great. And it deals with a lot of could-be-sensitive stuff in a way that is my favorite usage of horror, which is, like, horror used to kind of explore who we are. That sounds so generic, but it is true. Uh, and so I don't want to ruin anything that might surprise you in it, but I would highly recommend Bit. And it, if you look it up, it's like it came out in 2019. It's got a really cool like neon poster. Look it up. Watch it. It is a cool poster. Yeah. I, did, I, did, I didn't watch it with you, unfortunately. Um, we watched a movie that you wanted to show me, Hairspray. Yeah. Yeah. John Waters. Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, first of all, I had no idea that it was about race and segregation Welcome and stuff. Welcome to John Waters. Yeah. Friend. It's, it's, I thought it was like a goofy sort of it's colorful about integration. movie, but it's about integration. I'll say this. Set I really, in the 60s, by the way. Yeah. Set in the 60s. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I loved watching it with you. Sometimes I feel like there are certain movies that are like, that has, that have like acting in quotes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. a, it's like a movie in quotes where everyone's sort of doing like a slightly heightened thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just not my favorite type and of... John Waters movies are definitely that people are not doing natural performances they are doing like they're doing heightened. A, yeah. they're doing a heightened thing and that particular kind of heightened and not to go into there's like a bunch of comedies that do that that you really love that i just don't feel as emotionally connected to so intellectually i liked the movie i loved watching it i had a great time watching it but it wasn't one of those movies that like really like that i really connected to and i was like in for the ride the way i was with like something like Dirty Dancing, right? right. Where, uh, that was a movie I didn't think I would connect to. And I really, really did. And I was in that movie. Whereas this, I felt, uh, maybe it's design, you know, to to have like a little bit of remove just because it is that sort of heightened, weird acting style. It's very campy and everything is like brightly colored. Yeah, I love John Waters movies. Uh, Ricky Lake is great in it. Ricky Lake's amazing in it. Great yeah. cast all the way around. A lot of musicians in it. Um, yeah. We also watched... We, I've had a week where we watched some of this together. Some, I've had a week where literally watched like my favorite movies from when I was eight years old. 
Like literally, I watched three of them. Seth Flarkins. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I think I'm stoic but spiraling. I'm having Flarkins. <laughs> I I really. Uh, we watched one movie that uh, our friend Edgar recommended on the podcast last episode, Thief of Baghdad. Which, which you saw as a kid. Yes. Yeah. Um, 1940. It's such a gorgeous movie. for and, and I saw it for the first time and I was like, oh, I'm going to be so bored. It was not. It was a really exciting, like beautiful to look at movie. It's and a good story. And how great are those effects? They're not obviously convincing or realistic, but they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning. And I realize now, I watched that movie over and over and over, and the little images, all these movies that I'll mention really quickly, have like little images that I remember. With that one, I remember his big foot and his really long toenails. So, that's a weird one. Of the genie. Of the genie, yeah. And I think part of the reason I really loved this movie was because the lead is a brown kid. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and then I, they use an actual brown kid. Yeah. Which, Sabu. Sabu. Yeah. And uh, he was a big star for, for a while there. And then he, he died very young, unfortunately. But... Um, I would say, you know, if this is a if this is the type of thing you're into, like for me, fantasy was like my favorite genre. It still kind of is. Like that sort of magic and sword stuff is like my favorite. Um, I would say that if you're gonna watch it, uh, you can't just watch. This is sacrilege. We loved it, but once he gets to the island, like the last forty minutes, that's when all the crazy special effects stuff yeah. happens. Although the the horse happens before that, which is also really the horse cool. Is really, there's a lot of really cool moments. I think people should just watch it. I think it's a good, yeah. it's a fun movie to watch. They made it in. Oh, 19- and it's on YouTube, by the way. We should also say yes. We because you can't find it anywhere else. We right. tried. We wanted to rent it. We wanted to do whatever we could. Yeah. Not available anywhere except on YouTube and perhaps Edgar Wright's film collection, which we do not have access yeah. to. It's uh, imagine. Uh, People in 1940, 80 years ago, 80 years ago, watching like a kid with like a giant, like, and the genie, the way the genie looks is still like awe-inspiring. Like they really conveyed scale really, really well. They did a great job. Yeah. So, and then there's like giant spiders and octopi and just like all this great stuff. And just like, as we're watching it, like these beautiful bright colors, as Edgar was saying, Imagining people in 1940 going to a theater and watching this and just like brains leaking out of their ears, their minds blown. Exactly. My God. The other two I saw, uh, both movies that I loved as a little, little kid. Uh, Krull was my favorite movie when I was a little kid. Uh, And there was another movie called Lion Man that I haven't even been able to find out about. It's this like sort of Tarzan type jungle man who like fights like a lion. But it's a movie called Krull. And a movie called Beastmaster. Uh, people know Beastmaster more. Uh, they're both sort of sword and sorcery movies. And and it's weird what I remember from them. From Beastmaster, I remember there's a ring that has an eye in it. And the special effect is like they used a real eye sometimes so it would blink and stuff. Oh, wow. And I remember mm. that image very, very specifically. Also, when I walked in, we were watching it. There were, there were boobs. There were boobs. And I think that that was part, must have been part of the appeal. What do you, what? What do you mean? <laughs> I will say that when I saw the the girl who stars in it, the reaction I had to her was was very... Uh, Visceral? Primal. Primal. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh, it's like me with Balthazar Getty and Young Guns too. It's like meeting, exactly. Yeah. Like a young love, you know, mm-hmm. when you're like just forming things and you're hating yourself with the thoughts you're having and then like a goddess shows up and you're like, I I hate, ye, I hate how 
you make me feel. But also, can I continue to but look also, at you? But also, right, yeah. right. Yeah. My relationship with all that stuff was so weird where it was like, I, I'm sure this is true for a lot of people where you're like really feeling something that you can't control. And for me, I really did not like that I, it would make me feel like that. Anyway, and then a movie called Crawl, which is a British movie starring in a very small role, Liam Neeson. Oh, as well Liam as, Neeson's. Yeah, Liam Neeson's is in it. And Robbie Coltrane, whose voice they dubbed over. Why? Both these, I don't know, but both these movies are... And, and Crawl especially has a very He-Man aesthetic in that it has swords and lasers and technology and magic. So it's like a mix of those things. Um, I wouldn't say that you need to really watch okay, fair. either of these movies. Fair. But it was interesting when you watch something that you watched as a kid and you're like, oh, my brain was smaller when I liked this. <laughs> we need to come up with a word for the emotion when you're showing someone something that was important to you when you were a kid and you're realizing, oh, this isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> like it's an embarrassment, but also like you're was- still into it, but... You, you're trying to put them in the place that you were. Right. I, I had that showing a guy with the worst witch, which is a Tim Curry oh, vehicle. Oh, the clips you've shown me from that are great. Listen, he Tim Curry does a musical number that will knock your face off, but the rest of the movie is quite not great. And if you okay. have worst witch fans out there, apologies. I loved it as a kid, but watching it as an adult, I'm having a hard time. Well, I... I... I did not like that's that's why I didn't have you do Curl and Beastmaster with me because I had a sense that those might be yeah. weird. With Thief, you know, I was like at work. It's it's from 1940, so that's just a more interesting cultural artifact and something like sword and sorcery, yeah, like um, sort of Star Wars ripoffs from the early 80s. Yeah, early 80s. Overall, 40s is going to be better than early 80s if you're like. Maybe this will have some value to it. The early 80s is right. not going to be your friend I will say, much of the time. Carl, I showed you the way the evil spaceship fortress looks That'd and the cool. design. In both these movies, the creature designs are great. And Beastmaster is directed by Don Coscarelli. I didn't know that. And I am a huge fan of his work. He's a great horror director. His biggest work is probably Phantasm. But he did a movie called Bubba Hotep. Oh, I love Bubba both, I, I own a Bubba. When yeah. we met, I had a Bubba Hotep figure. Um, and we have it. And we still have it. We have the Elvis. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Bruce Campbell is Elvis. Uh, huge fan of his. He's one of those, I think, underrated horror directors because everything he's done has been good. So you see those horror elements in Beastmaster, the creature designs and stuff, genuinely scary. He also made a movie called John Dies at the End that I thought was... He made John Dies at the End? John Coscarelli did. Yeah, he's a, he's a great... It's a great book, too. He's a great... I highly uh, recommend reading that he's book. He's a great director. I hope he directs another like awesome horror movie. Um, we also saw a movie that just got released on Hulu. Uh, I believe it, it's just on Hulu itself called Spaceship Earth. It is a documentary about Biosphere 2, which neither of us realized was not a government. Right. We thought it, we both were like, yeah, I thought that was like a government thing that they were doing to try to like no, figure out. a bunch of people. Biosphere 2 is, uh, they some people created a mini Earth essentially on Earth and uh, went in to live in it in, for two years without any outside help to try to prove that we could possibly do this on other planets. We could like to kind of study. Anyway, it's it's a bit problematic. There, None of them were the original people who conceptualized it were scientists. They were just like <laughs> dreamers and theater yeah. kids. And so that wanted to like help out with e- e- like environmental stuff, which is admirable, but it, what they kind of ended up doing was they were very secretive about aspects of it because they wanted everyone well, to think what they were doing. People should watch it if they want to watch yeah. it. 
Um, I'll tell you, you will not see in this real documentary the third act bad guy that shows up in this <laughs> is going to blow your mind. I promise you. And I know you're saying that's a spoiler. Do not Google it. Don't Google there it. is no it. way that when you see who the bad guy at the end of this documentary is, that you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's who I thought yeah. it was. It's interesting in this movie because it's a bunch of people that had like big dreams, wanted to save the world and also somehow unlimited money. Do you know what? Like because well, they, they, were, had, they had partnered with a guy. Uh, and it's just such an interesting I'll say the word privileged thing. Right. It reminds me of this kid I knew <laughs> in high school who um, I had to take. Uh, somehow my at the time boyfriend and I got roped into taking him to school every day. I don't really even know how that happened, but we would take him to school and he when we would pick him up, he would point to a Porsche that was in the driveway of his home and go, that's going to be my car when I finally get my license because he wasn't 16 yet. And we were like, well, this kid's rich. Wow. Cut to two years later. I am going to the little punk club in my hometown and I see him sitting outside panhandling. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, you know, I'm homeless now. I, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to do it. And oh, I was like, God. so you have self-imposed homelessness right. on yourself. Um, it's like all those gutter punks in Portland where you're just like, you should just call your mom. Just call your mom. Just tell her you're ready to come home. Um, listen, people leave home for all kinds of different reasons. I just think, I think now from the lens that we're all in of like, hey, some people are actually homeless and don't have anywhere to go. Right. And you're kind of just taking up space on a sidewalk when you have a Porsche that was promised to you when you were 16. So I kind of a little bit felt that way about the um, Spaceship Earth kids yeah well i thought this was what was interesting about them so there are like culty aspects to it and they talk about it and that's very obvious from the beginning um what i liked about it what what i liked about them was obviously very privileged but they were also very idealistic it, and they were like theater kids like if you watched they show the videos of their like theater practices and fun. it's but it's embarrassing <laughs> yeah it's embarrassing which is how all theater yeah. practice must be um is that what I liked about them was they really wanted to study. They wanted to study a lot of different things. Like I feel like we're obviously all uh, everything we study is so like specialized now. Everybody's like specialized in one specific thing. These guys really wanted to. Um, all of them wanted to do engineering and astronomy and uh, you know this plants plants and all they and theater and poetry and art like they sort of wanted to do all of it which i thought they, was interesting at one point we're like we're going to explore the ocean and they kind of did for they a little while they made a boat they made a ship i don't know if that's a spoiler is it i don't know they made a ship but but they uh it's that's what was, is interesting. We watched. I feel like we're in an age where there's like a lot of like interest in culty stuff, documentaries and stuff uh, for sort of obvious reasons. You can put them together if you want to. And I can never really relate to the people who are in the cult. I'm sure they have their reasons. With these people, I sort of, uh, I thought what they were doing was interesting, partly because they weren't like trying to like explore within themselves they were actually trying to learn stuff mm -hmm. about the world they yeah. were like trying they were to learning explore architecture stuff. and shit right yeah. they were learning like real stuff and as you said they weren't scientists so like their studies didn't feel like they were ever going to like amount to anything but i feel like their attempt was noble and i thought that that was i just thought that what they were going for was kind of cool like yeah. they were actually trying to I the stuff that they were sorry the stuff they were trying to figure out was interesting to me 
I was ultimately charmed by then and it was, was like, that's lovely. I, I'm I'm happy you guys did that. I think it was a kind of a novel, interesting thing. And I will say, by the way, if you left your uh, parents' home and ran away to be homeless and you because you were in danger, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> um, we're going to do maybe a couple of uh, reader emails that we've gotten. Sure. Uh, let's see. First one from Madeline C. Georgie my beautiful dog and I have found the perfect walking route that takes us all around the neighborhood and past my favorite houses to look at and to look at in a loop. That's just about five miles. We've been walking at the past couple of weeks with great success, but now there's this fucking bird that has decided <laughs> one of the street corners we pass by early on in the walk has declared war on us. Um, the first time it buzzed past us, it was tussling with another bird. So I thought it was just crossfire. The next day it dive bombed Georgie and freaked her out so much that she barked at it. And then it buzzes two more times. Today, I literally watched it fly out of a tree and onto a lamppost to watch us approach the corner. Then as we passed by, it dive-bombed us twice, and we ran away. What did I do to this bird? All caps. How do I get it to leave us alone and not traumatize my excellent dog? Must we seed this corner to this bird and ruin my perfect walking route? Do I need to give it presents? Will it attack me as I give it presents? I'm lost here. You are a bird expert. I, obviously. You're, you're, and you're not a bird expert in knowing about the species. You're oh, a no, bird no, no. expert behaviorally oh, yeah. and how to connect with... You're an emotional bird Correct. expert. So what's um, going on here, Dr. Emily? Uh, give up your corner. Your corner's <laughs> The birds the win. The bird has won. Uh, that's not your corner anymore. I, there were birds that used to dive bomb my cat growing up every time she would go outside, and the cat would try to go flat like against the ground oh. to like keep the birds. And and I, the birds feel threatened for whatever reason. I don't know what it is about you guys. Again, you're on the side of the birds. I've it feels always, like the bird's a jerk. I the think, dog is good. Like she says it's an excellent dog. When Madeline wrote in that I'm going to be on the side of the birds. Uh, bring a treat. See if that works. Pay, pay, like, uh, pay homage to the pay bird. Pay homage. Bring some bird seed, put it in a bowl, set it out, and be like, this is for you. And then walk. Walk away. Otherwise, Don't look back. Yeah. Otherwise, you need to find a new corner, need okay. to find a new route. Bird expert Solve that problem. Um, is there one? There's a couple that I wanted to read. Why don't you read one and then I can read mm. it? Um, here's a woman who did not want to have her name mentioned. Uh, okay. This is a tough one. And essentially, she is saying that she understands the need for wearing a mask to protect everyone. Her issues are that she has a deep-rooted fear of claustrophobia and being suffocated as a form of punishment as a child. Not only do I have severe asthma and always feel like I can't breathe, my fears send me into panic attacks when anything gets too close to my neck or face. Can't wear regular t-shirts unless they're loose-fitting and I stretch out the neck. I can't wear necklaces. Can't wear long sleeves. Um... And because I'd feel too claustrophobic in the winter, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't mean to blah, blah, blah over her problems. I'm just trying to get to... Basically, like, she can't wear a mask. She can't cover her face. She has a very strong emotional reaction to it. So how does she... What what does she do? I feel for her. Because I, I, she's being very... She wants to be responsible. Yeah, I feel for her. I don't know. She's tried dust-type mask, a cloth mask, neoprene, bandana. The bandana seems to be pointless because the bottom's open if I... And if but I the cough, bottom's... But I do feel like if a bandana works, uh, I, I imagine I'm reading this mainly because I do feel like there's probably other people who feel this way. Yeah. Um, I am pretty claustrophobic, obviously not to this extent. No. And I I am very uncomfortable wearing masks. And yesterday I had to wear one for five hours as I got an infusion done because that's what we Yeah, but I think it's different because... 100% it's different. I, I'm saying what I've had to do is very slowly... I mean, if you have a phobia... There's a thing called systematic desensitization, which is that you kind of incredibly slowly and comfortably while processing it, start 
very small, like start with a very small version, which is like, maybe for you, it's a shirt with a neck that isn't super loose, that you start with that and that you process those feelings and that you kind of talk through your anxiety, do things that, you know, calm you down Ah. and that then you can work your way up to perhaps the bandana if it's not too tight around your face. Um, Because I... I don't, I don't know if the solution is just go out without the mask and, and because that's not safe for you. And, and I think really it's going to upset other people. Yeah. So if you have a therapist, I think kind of talk to your therapist and be like, I'd like to, I'd like some help on how to adjust to this because it seems to me like you don't want this for your life either. No. I think sometimes when we have phobias and when we have things that are deeply ingrained anxieties and, and traumas and ways of being, we often think, well, this is just how it is from here on out. Um, and that is not the case. There is always, as long as you are alive, you, you can change. As long as you are taking in air, you can make improvements to your life. That doesn't mean that where you are is bad. It doesn't mean that it's bad that you haven't been able to figure this out yet. Um, but if you want, you have the ability to help help this for yourself. You have the ability to help make this a little bit better for yourself. And I think... It sounds like you writing is a great first step to that. You wouldn't be writing if you were like, well, this is just how I am. I'll just stay indoors. Right. Um, so it feels like you want to make improvements to this. And again, it's not dishonoring that you had something really traumatic happen and that it's it's you've protected yourself the best way you know how by developing this phobia. What is the next, what can we do beyond that? How can we get you to a place where you can wear a mask for at least a small period of time, not just for this pandemic, obviously for this pandemic, but also to help you gain like a sense of mastery. Of, if like, you, Yeah. If you want to like rob a bank at some point, if you want to rob a bank, you might want to rob a bank and you're not yeah. able to people, people love balaclavas. Is that how you say it? I've always I, wondered. Balaclava? Balaclava? I don't know. It, to me, it's too close to baklava. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. One of them needs to change their name and I don't want it to be baklava. I heard it. It's in a song. Um, it's in a song. What is uh, the Sweatshop Boys uh, in a, a song called Aja, I think. Uh, Aja. Riz Ahmed. It's a great song. Uh, who is, it says Baliklava. And I was like, whoa, that's yeah. how he say it. Um, anyway, my point is to this woman, I feel for you. Um, there are ways that you can get over things. That has been an incredibly protective mechanism for you up until now. And if it's not serving you, um, there are ways that you can change it. It will be difficult. It will not be comfortable. But what you have to we have to be okay with this is um, tolerating a small amount of discomfort in order to be more comfortable in the long run. Right. So basically what you're saying is work your way up to it. And as you're doing it, do it at home, try like smaller masks, tighter, tighter shirts, scarves, whatever it is. And while you're doing that, find stuff to do that calms you down that you find relaxing. I also think this work should be done with a therapist. I don't, I, I would not, I, I would rather you not do this on your own just because I think it's more protective for you. But um, that thing where people being like, just get over it and put on the mask. That's not, um, right. that's not helpful. Well, yeah. it's, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, Emily wants to read that letter. Good luck. But you, uh, I underestimate you at my own peril. We're going to take that part out too. <laughs> Why? No, leave <laughs> okay, it. Okay, go ahead. Um, I wanted to read uh, a couple things. This is another tough one, and it's something that I felt very uh, affected by. From Craig E., I'm writing because I'm a police officer and have been for 13 years. Our department has been taking decent precautions with everything. Not great, but decent, and I have been personally as well. My wife and six-year-old daughter have been staying at home as they should this whole time. Two days ago, my wife 
tested positive for COVID-19. She has been nowhere. And the doctor's only explanation is I brought it home to her. I got tested too and was negative. Since you two have been so great about helping us through it all, how the hell do I deal with this guilt of being the one who brought it home? Me contracting it was always a concern and we had a plan in place, but not for this situation. I would say, I understand, but it is not your fault. I mean, that's the thing about this. That's so. Ins- what's so insidious about this disease, right? Like we... Whoever gets it, it is never their fault. You can't blame someone really for getting this disease, especially if you're being careful. You're yeah. doing your job. You have to. You're you're a cop and we we need cops. Um, and so I would say you just it's I'm sure she doesn't blame you, and you shouldn't blame yourself. Like it is absolutely completely not your fault. <laughs> like if I've I've sort of role-played this in my head a little bit, where it's like, oh, what if Emily gets it? I'm going to feel guilty about it. I probably will. But I will also know intellectually, I think you understand intellectually it's not your fault, but emotionally uh, it, it might feel like it is. But I think you, your wife's going to be okay. She'll get through this. Your daughter's going to get through this. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know what else to say. But I think I, I'm the not two therapist. of you talking through that could be helpful because I think just talking about it now as it's happening rather than waiting years and being like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't talk about it now. Talk about it. The the process of feeling yes. weird about it. And that maybe yes. she does feel like, well, shit, I, d- I did everything right. And I still got it. Maybe that's hard for her too. Um, but they're just kind of talk through it because yeah, you didn't do it on purpose. You didn't, right. you didn't, nobody who's not an asshole wouldn't do that. You certainly wouldn't do it to someone you love. So I know that she knows that intellectually too, but like, Let's get her better and then just have the awkward conversations. Yeah. That even if you think, well, obviously she knows I don't feel this way. I don't know. Tell him anyway. I talk, feel like talk about we're it. in a place of just, let's tell him anyway. I mean, that's what we are. Yeah. Just tell him anyway. Um, Real quick, I want a couple more things. One, Phil H. Drew, I mentioned I created this superhero character, uh, Punky Blaster, uh, and that the drawing was very bad. And this guy made a good version of it oh, nice. as a comic book cover. And sent it in, and it looks absolutely stunning. And if I had, are you going to post it? Drawn anything like that? I don't know where to post it. Well, we'll, we'll post it. But if I drawn anything like that, I would have deserved the A that I got. <laughs> uh, from Margot B, this will be the last thing. Listening to you both talk about your comfort, favorite comfort foods, some of which are questionable nutritionally, made me think I should probably share one with you. Kumail, you're going to be horrified. Sorry, Emily. Wonder if your people made this too. I can't stop thinking about it. Because, uh, but I'm trying to resist because, well, you'll see why. Here it is. It's called Pink Fluff. This is what's in it. One eight-ounce Cool Whip thawed. One sixteen-ounce sour cream. I am off-board. I have jumped ship. One can sweetened condensed milk. Oh, my God. It's got Kamel milk in it, too. I, this is made not for me. One can cherry pie filling. Oh, I don't like cherry pie filling. One sixteen-ounce can crushed pineapple drained. Mix milk and sour cream with whisk. Add Cool Whip and blend. Add pie filling and crushed pineapple. Put in a 9 9 by 13 pan, like all good family comfort foods, and chill. So gross. So delicious. This dish is actually called ambrosia salad. Is that what it is? <laughs> That's how is I Is that know what it. you called it? That's you know this? I know this. You know this dish. Uh, we, my family makes it a little differently, but I 100% know this dish. Ambrosia is the and food of the gods. It is amazing. Ours has a oh, shaved, has coconut in it. Coconut flakes in it. Instead of? Not instead of. 
Just add more of anything. Um, it also had cool... Right, think, you can't lose any of these. I think we did like cranberries. Somehow ours involved cranberries oh, more than cherry. Oh, instead of cherry pie filling? Um, and the, the pineapple is what salad. really brings it home. You yeah, called it a... <laughs> I got stuck on the ambrosia. It's the salad that's more offensive. Yeah, you have to have a salad with every meal. <laughs> ambrosia food... Oh, so it's healthy. You it can't just call something... like a foot so to- delicious. And if you'll recall, when I got out of the hospital, bringing it back... And my parents were in Chicago and staying with me very briefly. My mom made me ambrosia salad because she said it's got a lot of protein in it and you need protein. It doesn't have protein and in bitch, it. And bitch, I woofed it down. <laughs> I, I don't see. I guess the milk or the Cool Whip or the sour cream has a little bit of protein. That my family's recipe for ambrosia salad has something that has protein in it. My mom wouldn't lie to me, would she? <laughs> ambrosia salad. I take issue with each of those words. Ours had like mini, mush, mini marshmallows in it too, I believe. Yeah, mini marshmallows, that's probably where the protein comes in. Right, um, right. As everyone knows, marshmallows are And I think that's probably protein. the last time I ate it was uh, when I got out of the hospital uh, 13 years ago. And... It's so good. And then, as a matter of fact, I read this email earlier. I texted my family. I, I've been thinking about ambrosia salad. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it would be so great. I need to make it right now. Salad. I need to make you ambrosia salad. This is what my other hill is, that the chick- chicken salad, the one with the mayo and stuff, which I do like, it's not a salad. No, that's not a salad. It's not. Call it chicken goop, whatever it's. Chicken goop? Maybe not chicken goop, but it's something else. It's not a salad. <laughs> Tuna salad, egg salad, chicken salad. Those are not salads. Salads, I think, should be primarily green, like a primarily veggie, the not deli, primarily mayo. The deli component of the world is going to rise up and I destroy you. I love egg salad. I love chicken salad. What I do mean, you propose we call it, Camille? Where are your answers? Well, I, I said something. You have problems. Where are your solutions, chicken sir? Chicken slime? My um, my friend Carlos, when he was in summer camp as a kid, they would put what was for lunch on like a wooden plaque outside of the cafeteria every day. And one day they walked up and it just said chicken bog. <laughs> chicken bog. That's a good name for it. It's chicken bog. It's so funny. <laughs> what was it? Um, I think at one point I looked up chicken bog and chicken bog is an actual dish, I think. <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now. Um, but <laughs> chicken bog became like a very funny thing we would chicken all say. Chicken bog. Yeah. Chicken bog recipe. Oh, it's a pilaf dish made of rice and chicken. It includes onion, spices, and sometimes sausage. Chicken bog. Oh, it's a... Uh, chirp, chirp, motherfucker. It's chicken bog. <laughs> chirp, chirp, motherfucker. It's chicken bog. Oh, I guess bok bok is what chickens say. Yeah. I'll take that again. Bok bok, motherfucker. Wow. Wow. So maybe they see they can't call it chicken bog because that already exists. It's very much a South Carolina thing, chicken bog. I bet he went to camp in South Carolina. That feels right to me. Chicken bog. I gotta tell you, you know, it. Uh, I didn't like the name of it, but it sounds good. Chicken bog. Yeah. We for weeks. That's all we talked about was chicken bog. Um, okay, everybody. What's what's your favorite chicken bog recipe? What do you put in yours? Yeah. I don't know how to. What do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, hey, guess what? Your movie's coming out next week. Oh, yeah. On it's Netflix. coming out um, on May 22nd on Netflix, The Lovebird, starring me and Issa Rae. I'm very excited for it to come out and for everybody to see this movie. And you'll be very um, excited to also see Kamel on several late night talk shows from And morning shows. I'm doing like a lot of, I'm doing the whole circuit, <laughs> Good Morning America. I'm doing Seth Meyers. I'm doing Colbert. I'm doing all that. I haven't done, you know, it's weird to do them over Zoom. It's very, very different vibe doing them over Zoom. So... 
we'll see. I'm excited. I, I love all those, uh, the people who do all those things. So, so we'll see. But usually, you know, the, the, obviously people don't know this, but when something's coming out, that thing that you do, which is we've done it together for Little America and The Big Sick, and I've done it on my own for other things, is you get up at four in the morning, you're in New York at some hotel, your hair and makeup people come and they like fix you up. And then you go and you do like five different morning shows, one after the other when you're rushing. And you mentioned this, there's like an hour for lunch and you go to a restaurant and the food's not coming and like Everybody's everyone's getting stressed out because you got to get to like the fucking Yahoo space or something to go do like a live chat or something. That feeling, those days are so exhausting. They really are. I am missing it right now. That sort of weird feeling. I remember one, we were like going in to do a radio show because you also do serious, right? Mm -hmm. So you go and you do like five serious shows at like 6 a.m. I saw like the Nutella store. It was like a Nutella restaurant. And I was like, while I'm doing this radio thing, could somebody go and get me a bunch of things from whatever they got I remember that. You remember the Nutella cafe? Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. It was like, whatever they got, I want. And it was great. But it's weird to like, it's another, like, that also made me sad where it was, obviously, that's not, this is not a relatable situation at all. And it's something that I find very stressful and exhausting. But the fact that it's not happening and it's happening in such a different way, just again, is another like reminder of the weirds. The weirds. Uh, I guess that's about it for this episode. Thank you guys. Continue to stay safe. Uh, continue to make weird salads at home and continue to call them salads despite what Kamel says. <sighs> yeah, that's right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.